Hi everybody, I'm Wong Hugh, and hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. We are happy to have a guest with us today. I'm so excited, Jeremy. We are here on Friday, May 18th, 2018, because it's Friday, that means we're recording this interview and you do not have the liberty of calling in to ask questions. If you do have questions, email them to me and I'll make sure that Jeremy gets them. We are talking with Jeremy Klo, who is the manager of media services at the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I am just so delighted that you're with us, Jeremy. Welcome to our gang show. Oh, thanks so much, Patricia. Thank you, uh, you and Walden. It's nice to join you today. Jeremy, would you give us a thumbnail sketch about, I've spent some time, a preface at the website. I would need a week off of eight hours a day to get through everything <laughs> that you have up there. It is just fabulous, and the artwork and the way you have it arranged is just extraordinary. Would you give us an overview of the museum, what you have, and what people participate in? Sure. Well, we, we own the world's largest collection of original artwork by Norman Rockwell. Uh, the museum is actually nearing its 50th anniversary. It was started as a uh, small grassroots effort, really, to save a, a town building, and Rockwell was very generous and loaned a number of his paintings. Um, that eventually grew into the becoming, you know, kind of his, his museum, people that would visit it from across the country, and as, as you point out, uh, it can take a while to uh, to get around and really take in everything that we have so we have um, you know the exhibits of Rockwell's work and because we have uh, you know just a, a numbers of, uh, of works at this point uh, they're changing exhibitions and then in a, connected with that um, we also have uh, changing um, exhibitions through the seasons of illustration art you know he was uh, an illustrator a form of artwork that is telling stories and created for commercial uh, in his day it was the Saturday Evening Post was the, the main uh, publisher and, and the Boy Scouts. And so um, so that's a way of paying tribute to what he did. Um, so we get a lot of interesting artists that way uh, from his time period and also contemporary people that are working in the field today. And I mentioned the Saturday Evening Post, one feature that's really um, a lot of fun when you're here to see. We've um, actually installed a whole room of all 323 Post covers that Rockwell created um, over the span of 45 years that he was with that publication, and I then uh, let me see if I'm forgetting anything. Well, the other very, um, very unique thing for for art museum is that we have the original studio, artist's uh, studio Rockwell used when he lived in Stockbridge, and that was transported to this new property that we've had uh, for I guess the last uh, 25 years or so. Uh, we really outgrew the original space, and um, and we just keep growing. So it's it's a really um, very vibrant pr place to visit, you know, and, and a beautiful countryside over here in uh, this part of the country. Yeah. Everybody um, has to go to the website, and I'll make sure that I do this at the end of the program as well. But it's www.n as in Norman R M Norman Rockwell, um, and museum <laughs> nrm.org. Yep. I'm losing my words here. Okay, I would like, if you would please, to give us a thumbnail biography of Norman Rockwell, which is probably a mega assignment because there is. Oh wow! I didn't know I was going to get a. Sketch. I didn't know I had a test here at the at the end of the oh, day here. Yes, um, of course. Okay, well, let me see if I can uh, do my best here. So um, Rockwell was born in uh, 1894. Um, he was born actually in New York City. Um, and he uh, spent his early years um, in the city, actually, and, and outside of uh, the area called New Rochelle, which uh, is really where he started his career. Um, that was a, a center that was really vibrant with an arts community, a lot of people that were working in the field of illustration. Uh, backing up just a little bit, when he was a, a young boy, um, he really marveled at the stories of Charles Dickens, his father would read to him, and, uh, you know, he just was really drawing from a very early age. And um, and then uh, I think at the age of 16, he started school at the Art Students League in New York City and uh, really just didn't look back. He had his first assignment. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Boy Scouts. Um, he was uh, the original art editor for Boys, Boys Life magazine, and um, he created works for them really through his whole career. He felt indebted because that was his first real big commercial break. Um, and then, let's see, and by the time uh, the 40s 
uh, came around, he was already, you know, a household name and really established and had done everything from uh, illustrated the books of uh, uh, Mark Twain, Tom Sawyer, and did a lot of advertisements and also the Saturday Evening Post that he became really um, even better known for. And that was his dream to work for that publication because his heroes worked for the uh, the Post. Uh, people like J.C. Liondecker and other artists uh, that he, he ended up uh, knowing, you know, and then also um, even became more famous in some ways than they did. And so... Um, the 1940s, he had, uh, was looking for something a little different. He moved to Arlington, Vermont, um, out here in New England, and um, there were some artist friends of him, his illustrators who lived in that area and, and really recommended it for its uh, you know, more peaceful uh, surroundings. And so he had also family that he uh, three boys by that point. Uh, he moved here and, and raised them, and, um, and really um, he really honed his his craft in his time in Vermont. Uh, so moving away from the, the city, he didn't have the luxury of having professional models, and he would actually call on his neighbors and friends in the Arlington community to pose for his pictures. So, you know, really by that point, you know, all the people that you see were, you know, really uh, people that were from that area, and some are still in the area. There's actually a uh, models reunion that they're holding in Vermont, uh, in uh, another month or so, from what I understand. And um, and so he spent uh, several years there, and by the early 50s, he ended up uh, moving here to uh, Stockbridge, Massachusetts, which is, I guess, about over an hour away from the Arlington area. It was a change, uh, really, for health reasons for his wife, and um, and he spent the last 25 years of his life here in uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, and this area is known for, you know, great beauty and outdoors, as well as arts, even before uh, our museum opened, we had uh, things like the Boston Symphony have a summer home here at Tanglewood, which is um, Tanglewood, which is right up the streets, and um, a number of um, theaters. And uh, so he, he continued, and um, and then really right through the uh, the changing times of the 1960s, the civil rights movement, which he, he uh, illustrated um, for Look magazine in particular. And um, by the late part of that era, um, you know, covering uh, man's first steps on the moon. And um, he worked right up until the, uh, let's see, I bought the bicentennial year, actually. The one of our, in our collection is a final picture where he's done a portrait of himself um, draping a, a, a sort of a medal around the uh, uh, Liberty Bell. And so he worked uh, right up until um, later parts of his, his uh his life here, um, and he passed away in 1978. Um, during the uh, back up to again, the, the 60s were a really um, interesting time for him, not only in subject matter but also um, in terms of his arts and, and sharing it with the community. Um, I mentioned this um, original um, house museum that was was an effort by a lot of local citizens called the Old Corner House, where he loaned his artwork and um, then people caught word that original Rockwell art was on view, and um, we're driving in drone, uh, droves out here to see that, and uh, really outgrew that space. So he was around to see the beginning stages of the Norman Rockwell Museum. I think he would actually still be quite surprised to see what it's grown into, and that people cared that much about his work. But he did have a sense that, you know, um, to share his legacy, and so um, in later part of his, his life, he had uh, donated an artist trust to the museum, which included his studio, and that's that was um, how that we happened to have that, and, and actually that when we opened at our new property here in 93, um, reinstalled that studio, and that's open to the public to, uh, to visit. So, um, you know, his legacy move, lives on, and uh, there are new generations that are that are discovering his work, and um, it's um, it doesn't sign, show any signs of stopping. Really, it's uh, it's really a testament to to um, his great skill as an artist and storyteller, and he really touched a, a nerve with the American people. He certainly still does. It is, I can't imagine anyone alive who has not heard about Norman Rockwell, and visited his his work is just extraordinary and it it has a, it has a quality to it that I want to ask you about it's when he did people and clearly he had 
models for the people he did. Um, you, you just cannot get that kind of perfection in expressions and noses and faces and things like that. So it does not surprise me at all that he had so many people who were able to sit with him and allow him to reproduce some of their features. The, the people, especially the kids, little kids, teenage kids, they all had an Ashok's wholesome family look about them. But they were almost to the point of a caricature because the toes in were exaggerated, the knees, um, knobby knees, and the, the way the ears, you know, little kids with big ears. There was mm-hmm. almost a caricature quality to it. Is that something anyone ever talked about with you? They, they have. Uh, you know, Rockwell changes style up. Sometimes his work does look a lot more caricatured. Um, but I must point out that some images that I thought were exaggerated, there's one picture in particular, the gossips. It's this trail of people that are that mm-hmm. ends up at the... He's, Rockwell is actually the butt of the, of the joke, the conversation that's going on. So a number of those people just look like, wow, I mean, wide mouths and really just goofy grins and things. So... Um, when he was living here in New England, he began to use photography as a way to, um, because, you know, as I mentioned, he doesn't have models who are professionals, and uh, this is a not an everyday thing for them to, to do. They're not used to posing for an artist. And yeah. so um, what I've discovered, <laughs> to my surprise, is that a lot of those are not exaggerations. This is how <laughs> a lot of those people actually look, you know, and now be knees and, uh, and, and all. And... Um, and part of the, the the gift that he had, actually, and, and I think that having a photographer on hand as an assistant to help him capture these expressions, um, he had a gift at, at bringing out kind of what he was looking for. Um, he acted like a director, really. So the story would, he'd be in the studio, and he'd have the photographer taking photos, and he would be coaching them, the kids in particular, to get that you know, right expression that he wanted, and um, and I've actually had the pleasure of interviewing many of the models uh, who are still around over the years, um, and they all tell the same story. What a great, you know, he was just very personal, and he um, he was he was a fun guy to to you know be around. You know, it made them feel very comfortable. So um, yeah, what can I say? I mean, that's that's uh, kind of why we're still talking about him. I think he he managed to get like really honest things, but. When you point out something like that, like a caricature, um, it's it's funny because no, that I mean, in some cases uh, maybe it's this part of the country. Some of the people actually look like this. You know, <laughs> they're not pol. I think the thing is like not to put them down either. The beautiful faces, but they weren't polished. They weren't like uh, you know, like uh, you think of an artist model. And that was mm-hmm. that was a wonderful. You know, just a yes. sort of synchronicity that he had that he was here and it just happened that's how he approached his work by that point and he found this sort of honest he found this sort of honesty in uh, his subject matter because it was what he was experiencing every day yes i'm delighted to hear that people thought he was a personable and warm and open person to be with Mm-hmm. Because he had such um, such a propensity for detail, and sometimes yeah. that can come with a you know really uptight person. But he broke he broke that mold too, didn't he? Well, yeah. Here's the thing: he was he was no, I wouldn't say. Well, I, I can't really speak because I didn't know him. But uh, from what I hear from people, the models in particular, working with him was he wasn't you know uptight about things. He he made mm-hmm. them very relaxed and and personal. And a lot of people who have gotten to know over the years have said the same thing. There, you might get a different reaction from his family, his sons, um, where you know, for to have completed as many works as he did, I think it's is it something like five thousand, six thousand works over, you know, uh, his whole lifetime. He was a workaholic, and um, so a lot of times, you know, like living in Vermont, um, often I hear that his children, you know, they really saw maybe more of his next-door neighbors, who were models as well, um, more than they saw his fathers in some some occasions. You know, he would work, um, I think he took off for Christmas, but uh, otherwise he was he was committed to, you know, he, he felt very comfortable in the studio, and um, so... I guess you some some sacrifices you have to make to to uh, to just be so concentrated on on a certain uh, field, you know, and and devote yeah. that much time. But yeah, as you said, he was able to the, the detail in some of his work is out, is just really uh, outstanding and 
you know, quite remarkable. Love it. Love it. Is there anyone associated with the museum who met and befriended uh, or was a friend with Norman Rockwell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a, a couple docents now at this point who uh, were models or neighbors of him. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I've got to know them. I mean, um, so I think, you know, uh, it's it's now he passed away in 1978. So, you know, generations are they're getting older. Um, a lot of the kids now are the you know, the elder uh, people that that you know that work with them yeah. might be in their sixties now at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but they're clear about the you know that's just great to to hear the memories. And we we actually have a um, models uh, talk every first Friday of the month. Um, I think generally throughout the year we might take a break over the summertime, but uh, between that and occasionally we'll have models reunions where we gather everybody who's you know who's still around, you know, to, yeah. to share. And those those have been amazing. I have to say, like, really, uh, one of my favorite parts of working here over the time is just to have that glimpse into into history, into this artist, you know, who um, made himself accessible in that way to people. And uh, and um, they take great pride in, in being part of this, as you can imagine. I think at the time, the kids, a lot of those kids, they didn't know what they were doing, you know? Even the, some of the people, he's... You have to remember back then, even in the 50s when he lived here in Stockbridge, he was not, you know, I guess the idea of celebrity is, is a little different now, you know, but he was he was the town artist. They knew him, and they knew he was important, but, uh, you know, I mean, to, to what extent now that, you know, you know, they can walk into a gallery and see their picture, on the, you know, and, that, and they yes. see reprints of, of those works, um, you know. So it's, yeah. it's something that's really, really interesting, but um, and it's it's become a very meaningful part of their life. You know, most people will, you know, that that interacted with them. That's uh, they're certainly proud of to be able to share that with yes. people. Yes. Yep. This is kind of off the track. Has anyone ever shown up and fussed about seeing themselves in one of the works? Well, I mean, fussed. Uh, you know, it's interesting. So some people, I think, have, were a little embarrassed by it. Actually, you know, they didn't really want the attention. Some of the people were; they agreed to be part of it. And um, you know, there, you know, there, there have been models I've tried to interview over the years that yeah, they were, they just didn't really want to have to to talk about it anymore. You know, maybe they've been yeah. they've interviewed a number of times. Um, other. You know, other other times there have been people that you know, like it's interesting with the kids. We had a picture here for a while, breaking home ties, boy that's getting ready to go off to college. And um, I'm just thinking as I'm talking about this, this gentleman who visited here and he hadn't seen the picture, I think, in you know since it was painted maybe, and it just was. You could just see it in his face how you know how proud he was, and uh, you know it was just a, like one of the most important. The things of his life that he he could say he was he was a part of this uh, image that still resonates with people. Yeah. Um, that's really it's sweet to be able to see that you know. And but I don't think you know in terms of fuss like being like oh hey that's me over there and they're handing out uh, postcards or anything which yeah. they could certainly <laughs> right. certainly do. Right. They get they get requests in it, but more often than not, I see people that are a little bit humble about it. Like even. Uh, the model for Rosie the Riveter, uh, Rockwell's painting that was done. It's actually celebrating 75 years now. There's a World War II image there that's become very iconic. Um, and she was, uh, she'd come in and like she didn't know what other people were fussing about, you know. <laughs> but she was very gracious about signing autographs and yeah. and sharing the stories that she had. Uh-huh. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's one of the. Uh, works that I wanted to talk about because we are going to drift into his World War II work, which was oh, yeah. really significant. We're talking mm-hmm. with Jeremy Clough, who is manager of the media services at the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I'm just so happy that you're with us, Jeremy. Can we Thank talk a little much. bit about, about Rosie the Riveter and how Rosie came about? Was it from within, from without? How did Rosie get born? Huh. Well, um, you might have a little more information on that than I do, because Rosie the Riveter was not a Norman Rockwell creation. I mean, the the term Rosie the Riveter referred to women that were, um, you know, doing their part during the war effort. You know, I think it was a different a different time. You know, so you weren't used to to women being so actively uh, 
a part of the workforce in some of the um, you know more uh, labor intensive uh, positions um, so um, Rosa the Riveter I believe it was a song there's also another picture which has become become quite iconic in itself a different artist where you, the woman says uh, we can do it, you know. She's making kind of a, you know, curling her arm over. Yes. So that's another rosy picture, and uh, that wasn't Rockwell, but it it appeared around the same time. Uh, Norman Rockwell's uh, cover of uh, the Saturday Evening Post. It was uh, May of 1943, um, uh, actually uh, 75 years ago, um, that that picture came out, um, and and he's create he's actually used the town. Um, phone operator. Her name was Mary Doyle, and um, he put her in the, she was very, as I've met her actually in the past, she passed away a few years ago, but, but I think even then was a uh, rather shy uh, woman who, uh, you know, um, found herself on, on the cover of this picture here, and he, he has her decked out in, in uh, this her denim uh, work outfit, and um, what he's done, which is really interesting, he was a, he was a great um, fan of art himself and art history he took a pose from uh, Michelangelo actually the Sistine Chapel uh, so the figure of Rosie the River that he used is actually based on uh, one of those images that, that appears in the, on the fresco of the, of the painting and um, so when you see that it's, it's, it's really quite, quite uh, humorous you know and I think he, he had to kind of uh, apologize a little bit he, he beefed up uh, this very petite woman here, to you know, very bulky. Uh, her arms are you know huge, big guns, and she also has a rivet, a riveting gun on her lap too. You know, so this was something you know I did not. He uh, he used her her um, uh, Mary's you know face and and uh, maybe this expression that she might have, um, and she's she's holding a sandwich. She's taking a break, but she's. She's got the flag behind her, and her foot is on a copy of Mein Kampf, you know, just to put that final, you know, nail into this is what we're, we're doing for the war effort here. This is who we're, we're uh, trying to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. battle against, you know, and prevent from, from uh, spreading uh, hatred. And uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful image. The, the painting is actually owned now by uh, Crystal Bridges Museum out in Arkansas, uh, but I have seen it. We've had here on loan before. Um, a beautiful painting. And uh, this show is airing on the 26th, is that right? Correct, yes, the 26th, uh-huh. The 26th, oh, okay. Walden, knows. Walden knows everything. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure how you, you, you would want to edit this or add, add this here, but it's interesting because we're actually holding a Rosie the Riveter Day on uh, May 26th in oh. the afternoon. And so we're going to have uh, talks about this image, and, and um, there's actually a Rosie the Riveter Association uh, members uh, from that group that, that are still active. They're going to be here to talk. And we have a dance group that has this wonderful Rockwell-inspired performance, uh, you know, with, with one of them vignettes being dedicated to Rosie with 1940s music. You can imagine it's, it's wonderful, actually. Well, then, are you able to mention that on one of the Friday night shows? Well, I think we're gonna. I think we'll plug it tonight and tomorrow and this weekend and also next weekend. So we'll definitely. Uh, okay, we'll great. Definitely plug it for, I'll for send you thing. the. Uh, I'll send you the the uh, press release That'd on this uh, on this event, so you, you have a more information. But yeah, it's funny timing here. You know. Yeah. Uh, is there, is there an that should be a lot of fun. Is there an interest fee, Jeremy? How how it, to for our listeners who live. In the New England area, is there an interest fee to the museum, and uh, uh, can they contact yeah, it? Yeah, there is. A, they can find out the ticket pricing uh, on our website. Uh, we are free for children 18 and under. And then if you have a membership, uh, that gives you discounted uh, cost, too. This, as many of our uh, events, we have quite a few coming up this summer. Um, they're often included with museum admissions, so that's... Just another added bonus uh, to uh, take advantage of, of uh, performances like this or fun uh, connections with the artwork. Great. That's great. And Walton is going to take care of promoting yeah. that even promote before that. the 26th oh, when yeah. our interview runs. Now, Rosie, oh, the Riveter, so yeah, Rosie the Riveter was obviously a World War II. And that, one of the things, I'll take a side trip here, one of the things that I love so much about Norman Rockwell's work is that you never have to struggle to find the statement. Every piece of work had a statement unspoken, 
and it was mm. just wonderful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he took a picture of the countryside and painted the countryside and said, isn't this pretty? He really had a message with every single one of his pieces of work. And Rosie the Riveter, of course, was World War II, and he did so much else with World War II. I want to talk about the uh, four basic human freedoms uh, from Roosevelt and uh, Rockwell's work on that. But can you tell me whether or not the work that he did during World War II was something, I don't know how to, how to phrase this, uh, so much of it was commissioned. How much of it was, gosh, I'm really happy I can do this. Both, but that's interesting that we're, we will segue to talk about this because the four freedoms were um, part really inspired in, not only by uh, Del, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's speech. Uh, it was an address to Congress in uh, 1941, um, but um, Rockwell really wanted to do something to help support the the war effort, and uh, he he was able to do that somewhat with. Um, some some work that he did. There's actually a series to the Saturday Evening Post that was uh, was kind of done to help morale. Uh, a character called Willie Gillis that appeared. It was one of the few times he had a sort of reoccurring character. It was a private GI, uh, and it was a little scene, you know, so almost like a postcard from home, from uh, you know back to his family and seeing you know how he was doing. They were all very humorous situations. You know, they're kind of uh, meant to to reassure. You know, give up. Just you know, help kind of put up personal uh face on um you know somebody that one of these brave young men soldiers that would have been fighting overseas um but really he he wanted to do something and um it was really the start of his his uh thing like maybe a social conscious that he was able to some of his concerns things that he cared about was able to, to really uh uh you you know express through his artwork um and so he um had actually heard the speech, which originally wasn't very successful. I don't know, you know, if you know too much about the original uh, address to Congress, it was it was really trying to convince um, our country to get involved with the war effort. By that point, um, 1941, as as uh, you know, as the skies are darkening over overseas, um, and uh, we were reluctant to to join in. And so that speech actually, you know, to address the really not even American freedoms, but like freedoms for worldwide that everybody should should you know that are important: freedom of speech, freedom of worship, um, freedom from wants, and freedom from fear. Um, that somehow struck a nerve with Rockwell, and he thought I could illustrate that. You know, he was. He liked to tell stories through pictures, and here is he had this kind of laid out, um, you know, the theme. Um, as you said, he was he was really gifted at, at you know just encapsulating the theme in a single image. Um, but honestly, it it was daunting for him. Um, he he kind of had decided this would was what he would try to do, and then maybe convince the uh, to share with uh, uh, with the country uh, U.S. Uh, uh, you know, the, they actually had a call out for images to to illustrate. You know, because they realized that the speech didn't really have a lot of traction, and uh, they were trying to trying to find other ways to to spread the message. So, um, so he decided to do this, and um, he, as I said, struggled with an idea: how how am I going to illustrate these? And he uh, happened to attend a, a town hall meeting, very big out here. in in New England, you know, they still to this day it's a popular way of uh, de- you know form of democracy, really. And, um, uh, and during this town hall meeting in in Vermont, um, a gentleman, uh, farmer, I believe he was a local f- farmer, um, just then his work clothes, um, rose up to um, address a, a topic that wasn't necessarily very popular with most of the crowd that were in the meeting, and. Um, they let him speak. You know, it was it was uh, in this day and age it's a little. You know, I mean that's impressive in itself. Just that you know he was he was given a chance to to uh, to speak his point, and even if they didn't, they disagreed with him. They were tolerant of that, and um, that was very important to Rockwell. I think throughout his career, this idea of tolerance and um, you know neighbors, an idea of community, and so um, he literally woke up. I believe it was a you know the night of this meeting or something and he's like that's it that is how i will illustrate the four freedoms 
you know, he as we talked about, he, he used his neighbors as models, but here was a scene that was perfectly illustrating the idea of freedom of speech. So he would depict freedom of speech as being a town hall meeting. So you see this image, and it's this gentleman, uh, you know, in a, a bomber jacket and uh, plaid clothes, and there are gentlemen that are, you know, uh, uh, well, even women as well, and the, and the people, his, his uh, sort of neighbors in the area that, that are all, you know, listening to him, and they're they're often in suits and things, and, and um, there's a contrast, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, but they're all just listening, and um, I think even yeah. Rockwell put him put himself in that picture too, you know, <laughs> so um, so that began that, and he he worked on the four freedoms. He got kind of a, um, a little bit of a breather from from his commissions for the Saturday Post. to gave him a few months to to work on these, and he worked up the concepts. It wasn't easy. It was actually quite taxing, you know, because I mean. If you've been to our museum, we have a gallery space that's devoted to just those four free four paintings, uh, which are quite you know immense and uh, and detailed as we're talking about. And um, and those uh, he uh, he actually had to had to submit them to the Saturday Evening Post. The government really was wasn't um, interested, and in, uh, I guess this idea of an illustrator um, um, being the one to to share this, or you know, they, they had other commissions that. There are other circumstances, maybe that 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 wasn't on their on their uh, priority. But um, so he he shared them with the Saturday Evening Post, which in 1943 published them in a series of of uh, cover or story illustrations, actually inside, accompanied by an article by a, a well-known uh, author um, for for each of these four freedoms. Uh, February through March of 1943, and the public just fell in love with these these works. And um, then, uh, belatedly, the government, uh, you know, came to him, and they would love to create war bond posters, and um, they sent these four paintings out on the road. Uh, Rockwell attended a couple of these events and signed copies of the war bond posters, and it it, uh, it did the trick. It, it really um, uh, you know, raised a lot of money to you know to for this the war effort, and uh, and the paintings were um, you know they became. Just, I mean, the the freedom from want image is probably one of the, the Rockwell images. People that may not even know Norman Rockwell, they know that image because it's the Thanksgiving scene, the family around the table, and it's become uh, it's become a, a close of like any kind of American iconic painting, you know, that is instantly recognizable and and often parodied over the years. I mean, it's still every year you get somebody who's who's looking to use that that uh, picture, you know, in some form or other, and. Um, so that's uh, that's the background, and we're thrilled that uh, you know they, they're part of our collection, and and we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Four Freedoms uh, this year by sending them out on the road. Um, we're actually as as our we're talking now. They've opened up at the New York Historical Society in New York City, and they'll be there through uh, early part of fall, and um, then traveling to. Uh, the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. Next year, they'll be take, making a stop overseas to uh, uh, Khan, uh, Memorial de Khan, uh, to celebrate the uh, anniversary of D-Day, which is really quite remarkable. Um, and then they'll be winding, I guess, uh, out to the West Coast, uh, out your way, um, and um, then coming back here in Stockbridge. They're going to be out on the road for uh, a couple years, which is something to think about, you know. Yeah. Um, they, they've been here for you know they they don't travel too much, so this is a unique opportunity. But we felt it was important, you know, because a lot of your listeners and people that are fans of Rockwell, um, you know, I mean, it's it's not always easy to get here to uh, this part of the country. So that, and it's kind of nice because it's that was what happened originally after they were painted. They went on a tour, and it's it's revisiting that idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just so delighted with the outreach. You've got programs. You've got kids programs. You've got. Ex- exhibitions, you've got touring uh, programs. It is just so much fun for me to know that that is going on. I just get so disappointed when I talk with someone or I am in a place where the collection is ours. You have to come to us, you know, and and have almost a proprietary attitude about it. And this, you just, you know, as many places as we can share, we certainly will. And I love it. 
That is just oh, amazing. well, thank you very much. That's It's very important to us. And, you know, the idea of education is a big part of our mission, you know, to... I mean, the, the idea of his work, you know, they're, they're, they can tell stories through history and art. And, um, and even if uh, students can't actually uh, visit here um, in Massachusetts, we have a lot of resources on our website uh, digitally. Um, we're just expanding more and more. So you're still able to interact with us in some form or other, even if you don't see one of our traveling ex exhibitions or have a chance to visit in Stockbridge. So that's, that's nice. And, um, and we have whole curriculums that we've developed around the four freedoms so uh yeah it's uh it's, it's work but um you know it's it's uh it's it's great that we're able to share you know this gift that this man had with with the country actually really around the world too there are more and more people from overseas that uh that visit here we get a large population that, that you know from europe and japan and really all over and um everybody's you know, pretty much, uh, you know, they're all fans in, in some way or another, you know. It's hard not to be a fan of Norman Rockwell, and I do want to touch on his critics before we finish up tonight because I was stunned to find out that he actually had some people who criticized his work and decided he wasn't an artist, he was an illustrator, and that they drew a, a clear distinction between the two mm -hmm. of them. One mm -hmm. of the notes that I have, Jeremy, is that the Four Freedoms exhibition made the tours to 16 different cities, and this, this was early on during the war, and that the exhibition raised $133 million. Does that sound right? That's it. I was looking for the figure. You had it at your fingertips, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but that, that sounds right. That's the, that's the number that we were talking about. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, and that's in 1940s dollars, too. Okay. Yes, I, I should have. I've got a conversion table here, and I should have totally no. plugged it in to see how much it would be in today's dollars. Um, tell me how much of an influence overall did his work have to help people get through the war years? Tremendous amount, yeah. I think that, um, you know, he was a reassuring um, uh, face. I mean, you you did kind of know he had a uh, you know a persona too. I mean, he had his his pipe. There's that picture of the triple self portrait that he created in, in the um, early uh, late yeah. 50s, actually, and published in the Post cover in uh, the following year. Um, and uh, I think his work, you know, the the people you felt like you knew the people, and um, especially during the wartime, I think it was. Um, it was reassuring, as we talked about, like characters like Willie Gillis and just being able to see your neighbors, and and it was a connect connectivity, really, you know, of um, all that, and and the themes that we talked about, like you know, tolerance and uh, community and mm -hmm. and humor, everyday scenes, finding I like this phrase we often use, um, finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. Yeah, I love that. Before we do, before we leave the four freedoms. I have to tell you, on freedom of speech that you spent time talking with us about, the, the person who's standing up, the farmer who's standing up and talking, is within an audience. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the faces of the people. They're the one to the left of him, just to the left, looking up. Looks like Harry Truman. Uh, well, <laughs> could be. I mean, more, more often than not, it was uh, actually somebody uh, you know, who looked like that in the neighbor yes. in the neighborhood. Yes. Um, well, it was you a know, early but, uh, for Harry, but I thought it, I thought it was almost prophetic that Harry Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, it's do. interesting. It it kind of preceded, uh, you know, um, after, right after this point, uh, you know, Rockwell was uh, everybody wanted their picture painted by him, maybe even Truman. Um, but um, uh, from Eisenhower right through to uh, Nixon, he painted every portrait of the. Uh, U.S. presidents. Yes. Um, they weren't official White House portraits, but he created some for you know the Saturday the cover of the Saturday Evening Post and Look Magazine. Actually, later years, he not only created portraits of um, sitting presidents but uh, candidates. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, we we actually have a Google um, Art Project uh, exhibit that I kind of kind of helped pull together for an online uh, representation that shows uh, the year 1968. Such a you know coming this year of um, of change happening, but uh, most of the candidates that year he actually uh, painted portrait for Look Magazine. Uh, so Robert Kennedy and uh, and actually then uh, future uh, President Ronald Reagan, um, who you know was was running during that year at, at one point. So um, yeah, he 
he kind of had an overlap with a lot of different uh, events that happened, uh, you know, throughout the 20th century. Tell me where the portraits are now. We have a, a couple of them. We have, uh, see, I know we have Lyndon Johnson and uh, Richard Nixon and um, and Robert Kennedy. Uh, I think we we have a, a JFK who is is really uh, a, you know a number of occasions that he painted his portrait and made him look quite distinguished. Uh, there's actually a great picture that he did uh, when when JFK um, was launching the uh, Peace Corps. And so he's got uh, Kennedy in the midst of this, uh, you know, a number of young activists uh, that are that are pictured there. And that's a really nice picture. I believe that's part of our Traveling for Freedoms exhibit. Um, uh, some of the pictures, uh, the Reagan one that I mentioned, I believe, is in the the uh, Reagan Library. And oh, um, well, I mean, there are different collections that are out out and about. I mean, we have the world's largest uh, collection of original art, but. Um, you know, there are other people like um, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas who are actually fans of Rockwell and uh, uh, have the means to, uh, you know, uh, purchase some of the artwork when it mm-hmm. becomes available. So, uh, yeah, but, I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're fortunate, too. Sometimes we get we um, get loans. Actually, there's a really important picture uh, called Shuffleton's Barbershop that was re- recently purchased by uh, George Lucas, the Lucas Museum that's opening up in in uh, 2022, I believe, out out in Los Angeles area, out your way, and um, and they've loaned that to us. It'll be on view here this summer. That will be fun. I'm familiar with that picture, and it is just Beautiful. great, just great. Yep. We're talking with Jeremy Clo about Norman Rockwell, and he can talk with us because he is manager of media services at the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and we're just so happy that you're with us. Can we talk about the Boy Scouts and uh, Boy's Life and the work that Norman Rockwell did and the association he had with the Boy Scouts? Oh, boy, we haven't even covered the Boy Scouts yet at this point here. We're not Uh, Well, I think in my little biography that I attempted of of Rockwell, I had mentioned that that really his first professional career um, uh, milestone was with working for the Boy Scouts. He was hired uh, at the age of 18 as their art editor um, and created uh, for Boys Life magazine. And um, he was an illustrator for for that. I think even earlier than that. I think was he was just a teenager and he started to to have work that was published in there. And so he was. It was interesting. He was never a Boy Scout himself. Never a Cub Scout or anything. <laughs> So, I mean, who had time with all the painting he was doing, I guess. Um, so, um, but uh, he felt uh, really, um, you know, a little debt of gratitude to uh, to that organization and, and the principles that it expounded, um, you know, the, the mission of the Boy Scouts, that um, he stayed with them right through the 1970s. If you can imagine, we're talking about when he was a teenager, this is the early 1900s, so really through, through the... Um, the 20th century, while he was around, he created, um, beginning with Boys Life magazine, um, and directing the the uh, the look of that publication. Uh, right through the 70s, he had a a, a yearly gig uh, creating uh, calendars, uh, illustrations for Boy Scout calendars, and um, and you see many of them still used today. So they're out there. So uh, and they're they're really quite. You know, remarkable in, in their own right. You know, they're they're showing a helping hand. You know, and and uh, and he brings a, you know, again the extraordinary and the ordinary. This uh, moments of um, you know uh, the scouts mm-hmm. doing their best, doing their their duty and honor, yes. um, and and they look heroic. You know, doing it. And there's a picture of a. I think it was actually a true story about a, a flood that had happened, and it's and it's picturing a Boy Scout who's. Who's um, helping this uh, girl who had gotten caught up in the river and uh, and swaddling uh, her up in, in uh, clothes and, and helping her out and um, and then some other you know more um, you know more kind of uh, low key images of of like a scout feeding um, some some dogs puppy dogs and uh, you know um, mm-hmm. I think they they. Uh, are, you know, the Scouts are, are very proud of Norman Rockwell. They, you know, again, uh, that's another big collection, the Boy Scouts Museum. They've, they have original Boy Scouts art. And um, and we have uh, programs here at the museum that are related to scouting. You can earn um, uh, certain badges 
uh, related to artwork, you know, by uh, by being part of a, a course uh, visiting here. And um, and actually, funny enough, we have in the next month um, a group from Western Mass uh, Boy Scouts. We're going to have an, a little event here. Um, where they're they're actually awarding our director uh, Lori Norton Moffat with a distinguished citizen award um, in uh, in the mil- in late June and um, at the timing of that we're as I understand we're going to have a uh, display of some of the uh, Boy Scout images on view here so uh, this summer you'll be able to to enjoy those as well. Super. I spent some time in the gallery portion of your website and came across the one of the Boy Scout paintings that Norman Rockwell did during the war of a Boy Scout with the caption, we too have a job to do. And it mm-hmm. was a very powerful picture. Do you have that one in your gallery? I have to look that up. Uh, this is the uh, this is the miracle of Google. Here we have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are works, believe it or not, that I don't even know off the top of my head. So many I works that I've not- seen. When when you're talking five and six thousand pieces of work, I'm just astounded that you're able to talk about the ones that I'm giving to you. I'm, I'm surprised. Was, yeah, I thought it was um, a very telling piece of work that he had to have put a lot of himself into it because it was so powerful. I think I mean, everything is in the eye of the beholder, but I think it's a very powerful image. I think so. You know, he also you know there were his neighbors. Uh, um, there's a gentleman. Um, who lived literally right next door to, to uh, Norman Rockwell, who was the face of, of, of many of his Boy Scout images. His name was uh, Buddy Edgerton. And um, he recently wrote a book about that. And I, I, I might be wrong. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm not sure he was a scout either. But, uh, but he's, he's uh, you know, really the principles of Boy Scouts. I think he grew up um, a farm community and uh, you know Rockwell was uh he was a city boy he grew up you know and really literally in in the upper west side of New York and uh I think he always loved the country and that's a big part of scouting is is getting out in the outdoors and uh you know that uh you know the resourcefulness and uh I think that was attractive to to Rockwell even though he was not necessarily an outdoorsy kind of guy yeah. we talk about the landscapes that that he lived in and he wasn't really a landscape painter. He liked people, and um, so I think he he uh, cared about people and um, things like uh, you know what what scouts um, that we too have a job to do. I mean that those were things that were appealing to him. That he he liked to um, he liked to the the more um, uplifting side of, of of humanity and you know people's you know doing their part you know that was yes. that was what he liked to share and you know and and help to put a an image to he did that so well i think you touched on this before but i don't want to let this slide by the social issues that he tackled the one in particular with segregation called mm-hmm. the problem we all live with which was a painting of the little girl little black girl who went to a white school for the very first time surrounded by federal marshals to protect her he really put a lot of himself into that can you talk about that painting for a minute it's uh really an important work for rockwell um it it marked a a change you know he he was working and addressing um just as i mentioned that he he liked to portray the the uh, the more um uplifting side of of life um in later years, he began to to really confront like some of the the darker side of of um, you know humanity, I guess, and the idea of prejudice. Um, he was really an early supporter of uh, the NAACP, and um, it's interesting. He worked uh, with the Saturday Evening Post was was fairly um, conservative of of its time um, publication. They actually had a mandate where you couldn't portray. Uh, a person of color, unless they were in a service position, you know, sort of mm. pre you know, Jim Crow era, um, and um, and and so he found ways to to include people, and they were all always very dignified, you know. Um, but by by that period of time, the country is really changing, and and uh, you know, the civil rights movement was was gathering steam, and um, so his first picture that he created for Look magazine after leaving the Saturday Post was this very powerful image, which is still hopeful. You see this innocent young girl that's that's walking off to school, but you, you can't, you know, 
you can't mistake the idea that she's she's surrounded by these these guards who are protecting her for her safety, and you see a uh, tomato that's been thrown at her, and and um, I mean a, epi- a racial epithet uh, right on the on the on the canvas written. You yeah. know, it's really quite jarring, and I think that was that really did take some people back. You know, this is Norman Rockwell. You know, and um, but. Um, I have to say that is that is a memorable image. The woman that it, it was believed it's mostly based on uh, Ruby Bridges was um, a young girl in the late fifties that integrated uh, schools in uh, Louisiana um, elementary school. Um, she's uh, saw that picture many years on and, and feels that it it perfectly encapture, in, you know, encapsulated the the moment um, that she wasn't really even aware like you know what she was she. I've, I've interviewed Ruby actually, and she's talked about she didn't know these these people are what, what's happening here. She thought maybe it was a parade at first, you know, these people that are out, and um, you know, I mean, this is really remarkable then to to you know in later years realize that what you were a part of, and um, she's become very active with um, you know social issues, civil rights, and um, mm-hmm. and has actually become a board of our museum, which is wonderful, and um, oh, and so we've had a chance to meet her on a number of occasions. Um, and uh, that painting will be also part of that Four Freedoms exhibit, so you'll be able to see this as well. And it's Excellent. it's been on view at a number of locations, including the White House, um, back to celebrate that anniversary. And um, a few years back, um, uh, Barack Obama had. Um, had it hanging outside of the uh, the Oval Office and invited Ruby and, and our director and uh, uh, museum associates to uh, to actually uh, view that. Super, just super. I want to talk about saying grace. That is one of the most recognizable, I guess. So it's easily re- Norman Rockwell's work is easily recognized to begin with, but mm-hmm. this one is particularly poignant. And it, the title of it is "Saying Grace." Would you talk about that one for a minute? Yeah, that's another iconic work. Um, Rockwell's work has been going for record prices at auctions, and I think that might still hold the record of um, you know millions of, of dollars that have been paid for for Rockwell works. Being a nonprofit, we are not really in that league to to uh, be able to uh, to capture these when they when they go on sale we did have that on view here for many many years though so so long that i i often thought it was part of our collection and got used to seeing it and it's um you know we talked about shuffleton's barbershop and and some of the works that are they're very detail oriented and, and that picture too is is in that category really one of his finest uh works uh um and yeah. um the uh the scene that of your your listeners if they're not familiar with it it's a you could assume a grandmother and her grandson that are at a at a um a diner table or restaurant um setting kind of a greasy spoon with uh, people uh, surrounded by them uh, other patrons of the restaurant and it's a similar concept in a way you know, they you now they think of it to the uh freedom of speech image where they're looking around a little bit puzzled one of the characters is actually Rockwell's son Jarvis who he's, he's included in in the uh in the scene um, but they're they're tolerating what's what's happening. The the, uh, the if I even mentioned the the title saying grace, uh, the grandmother and uh, and little boy are are actually um, saying uh, giving thanks uh, for the for the meal. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it, it maybe wasn't even quite as unusual to see back then as it may be now uh, to to see that. I mean, uh, but um, I, I think that was uh, that really. Uh, uh, it's another painting that has uh, has really touched a nerve with people. Like you know, or, or yeah. um, they uh, they appreciate that. That's a real you know another sign of humanity that the Rockwell you know displayed and just this sim- simple you know single image you know um, yes which yes. summed it up powerful message. Mm-hmm. I looked up a little bit of information about saying grace. It went for forty six million dollars at Sotheby's. And I'm glad you have great. all these figures because yeah, I, you know, yeah. when I say them, I, I can't even believe them. You know. I, I mean, it's just wow, uh, and they're very careful to parenthetically say, including a buyer's premium, which is, <laughs> you know, some pretty round bucks, but yeah. certainly not forty-six million dollars worth. And it, it just blew me away. I thought I was really in hot territory, because Debbie Reynolds had a piece of Norman Rockwell's work up for auction at Heritage Auctions. It was That's Ben right. Franklin's sesquic- 
I, I have to practice this. Sesquicentennial. <laughs> How did I do? Yes. And it sold for, yes, yeah, $762,500. And I thought, wow, boy, that was pretty cool. And the opening bid, uh, it, the rock bottom bid, if you were going to bid, you had to open with $400,000. And I thought, ooh, boy, really. And now I'm seeing $46 million. Somebody mm. got a bargain, didn't he? Yeah, I'll say uh, we had that work on view for a little while. Uh, I think when when the previous owner was was getting ready to sell it, and um, yeah, and, and I think uh, you know when we learned that it was uh, Debbie Reynolds' collection, I was mm-hmm. wow, I, you know. But we don't know a lot of the the people that, um, at least I don't, you know, personally that uh, have have loaned the works to us. Uh, many, you know, as you might imagine, prefer to remain anonymous, and um, you know, mm-hmm. their works that have been up for auction, we don't. We don't know necessarily who who have them. Um, uh, we do know, uh, like I mentioned, uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, um, and um, you know now I, they had a an ex- uh, really phenomenal exhibit a few years ago um, at the Smithsonian that mm-hmm. looked at both of those two filmmakers' collections, and um, and really had a little background information about how some of these uh, these works influenced them. You know. Um, there, there's a reason that, uh, you know, so you think of, like, who's the, the Norman Rockwell of today? Well, would it be uh, Steven Spielberg or, or George Lucas? I mean, they're, they're master storytellers in their, in their own right. And um, though they, you know, credit Rockwell with planting that seed early on, you know. And in some cases, they've uh, paid homage to Rockwell in their own um, movies. Um, uh, actually, we talked about the Four Freedoms of Freedom from Fear is actually in a... Um, a movie of Steven Spielberg's recreated to the T um, called Empire of the Sun. So if you go back and watch that movie you in, and you have in mind the four freedoms, there's a scene where little boys is being tucked into bed and um, parents overlooking over them mm-hmm. wartime years. So, yeah, it's remarkable. And we, we like to think that, you know, they're, you know, the works that are going up for auction are, are, are going to be continue to be shared with the public in some way, you know, um, you know, because it's uh, they're they're just too to to have them you know sealed off. It, it's it's yeah. a shame because I mean Rockwell created he was the people's artist. You know, I mean, and the works were there's no um, there's no coincidence that you know that he he found his his uh, you know the the way that these works were communicated were through the cover of like one of the biggest uh, selling magazines or through advertisements that you saw all the time. You know, so. Um, you know, he wanted to share his work with people. You have at the website purchasing opportunities to buy prints or lithographs. Um, how do you go about getting the rights to reproduce and sell something like that? Well, that's interesting, and I, I can talk a little bit about it. I don't know if I know all the all that goes into it, um, but what I do understand is that there are, are limited edition prints that are actually, uh, they were lithographs that were um, created during Rockwell's day. Um, he must have had a hand in, in um, you know, signing off the rights to, to have his work reproduced. Uh, then they were signed by, by the artist himself. Um, so we do have that. There's a, that's actually a big part in, of our, um, uh, some of the premium uh uh, items that you you can purchase through our store, and we do detail it on our website. Um, we also are a consultant. We we um, you know we'll, we'll uh, you know in many cases uh, acquire these some of these prints that are out there, and um, and so that's that's that part of um, as far as getting reproductions of Rockwell's work. Um, there are still um, actually um, reproductions as as you might. See, you know, I mean, because his work is still reproduced a lot of places, uh, you know, gift type of objects, and mm-hmm. um, in some cases, uh, from everything from coffee mugs to uh, to uh, puzzles or things. Um, and um, the prints, we have a really uh, wonderful. Uh, during my time, I've seen that we've we've gotten into this uh, G clay printing, which is a very uh, nice texture and and really great uh, reproduction of. Of the artwork, so you're getting something that's that's suitable suitable to be framed, and um, we do sell some of these uh, pre-framed, ready to ship. Looking at our website right now, it's as easy as uh, you know, looking on to find your image and uh, and a number of sizes that that have been created. So, um, so there's a number of 
of options there, you know. Um, and they they do look great, you know. They they you could have your own little Rockwell gallery in your in your um, home, you know. Many people do. <laughs> Good fun. Good yeah. fun. All right, here's the hardest question you're going to face. Oh, Choose. thought I had that already. <laughs> no, <laughs> you haven't lived yet. Uh, okay. Choose choose three paintings that you like personally that you would put at the top of your list. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I I think you know really over time I have to say while I worked here the one that I appreciate the most is probably Golden Rule. Um, it was one of Rockwell's last paintings that he created for the Saturday Post. Um, I think it was uh, 1960. I believe I got that right. And um, April of 1960. And it's this uh, the the um, it's it's one of the paintings that comes with a um, you know some some uh, little uh, motto on on the work, uh, mm-hmm. the Golden Rule: uh, Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Again, this idea of tolerance um, and uh, really interesting background with that picture was that it began um, when Rockwell lived in Vermont, as in um, he was trying to again this idea of um, social conscious and, and uh, trying to to um, you know in, imbue that in his artwork. And uh, the United Nations was just forming, and so he created this long picture of of a number of his neighbors um, interspersed with uh, delegates from the United Nations. Uh, he decided it was a little bit too much, too overblown. He, he um, put it aside, actually. And um, and we actually have this picture. I, I had actually been on hand to see it, this drawing that had been weathered over time, like um, actually uh, we brought it to a conservation center. That's part of what we do. And, you know, in many cases, the works need to be treated and everything. So that that was brought back to life, and you could say, and and um, part of an exhibition that opened at the United Nations um, with the Golden Rule, because he revisited that concept when he moved to Stockbridge. He pulled out this this uh, picture. It's actually, if you visit our studio right now, we've reinstalled it to look like it did when Rockwell created that work. So you see the the Golden Rules on the easel and um and that picture is it's stunning i mean even people that are not necessarily rockwell fans appreciate that picture it's beautiful and and the united nations learned they had a, a mosaic that had been donated um nancy reagan i believe back you know in the late 80s had donated uh, this to them a, a group of artists that created a reproduction of this so it's a mosaic in the united nations and they learned about this connection between the Golden Rule. They didn't even know that that was a connection to an actual work about the United Nations. So uh, we had an exhibit, actually, at the United Nations building in New York headquarters um, a few years ago. And we had the Golden Rule. We had the United Nations pictures. So that was, for me, that's a memorable story. I had some involvement, you know, being on, on hand to see the, the restoration of that and and uh, connection with the people from the UN. We got that exhibit going, and it's just wonderful. I mean, I, I, it's, it shows a group of a very different people, and it's it's part of our Four Freedoms exhibit that's actually on the road. And um, because these paintings are going to be off on the road for a little while, right before they left, um, I can say this, you know, because they're by the time this airs, the uh, the show is underway in New York City. Um, uh, the uh, I just spent some time looking at them and um, and the detail and there were there were things that I didn't even I hadn't seen before you know like nowadays it's very easy and we do you know allow people to take photography um, in our galleries uh, in most cases you know non flash and you know and like to see people share you know, share that with friends and everything um, but yeah you you just spend some time with these works and they really reward in the detail you know to being to really being able to see um, all all the uh, the little items that Rock will put to, into them, so that's one. Jeez, I'm trying to think of uh, a couple others that uh, really stand out that I uh, that I appreciate. There are, there are a lot of them over over the years. I have to say it's it's a difficult task once you've been once you've worked in a place like this and it's become such a big part of your life. Um, uh, maybe saying grace, uh, the the way that I ended up at the Rockwell Museum um, was that my father was actually a fan of Rockwell's, and um, you know he had passed away many years ago, and, and I just ended up working at this museum, and uh, and so um, saying grace was one of my dad's favorites, and um, that's another detail. Um, he used the the surroundings of that in um, 
in Troy, New York, which is not too far from us here, and I live in that area actually. So it's a little bit like uh, it's, it's that's part of my my hometown area. Um, and let's see, number three would be uh, we have the Golden Rule, we have St. Grace, and oh man, this is tough. This is really tough. Um, uh, well, I'm going to say. Uh, at the moment, going and coming, I like it's a it's a split screen image, and it's a humorous picture that Rockwell did, where he shows a family that's that's going off on vacation, and it's it, there are actually two panels the the uh, the framing of that There's, it's split in the middle, so you see the the family on their way, they're all you know vim and vinegar, you know sort of all enthusiastic, and then the the bottom end of the picture is their dejected return, you know very tired and and. Uh, you know, not quite a, yeah, not quite as uh, lively. You know, they're, they've had quite a ringer of a vacation, looks like. Um, and in both pictures, there's a grandmother, one of Rockwell's uh, neighbors, actually, who has the same pose in, in each picture. She She's the one that remains the stoic kind of just, you know, <laughs> nothing has really phased her you know yeah. so that's yeah. that's fun and there's dogs i'm a dog lover and um and there's a there's a pup that's uh, looking out the window in that and uh and bubble so gum. that's fun yeah bubble gum too i saw that picture up there and i right. thought isn't that interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor dad is he's sitting up straight on the way too and just hung over the yeah. steering wheel on the way back and it just right. is so much i and i I think we can all relate to those those type of scenes too, you know, like mm-hmm. this idea of a long vacation and you know um, where yeah. we are at the beginning and then at the end, uh, you know, the journey. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jeremy, I have to tell people one more time. We've been talking with Jeremy Clo about Norman Rockwell and his work, not only throughout his entire life, but with some concentration and attention to World War II and the Boy Scouts of America, where he was very involved in both of them. Jeremy, you want to talk for a minute before we leave? I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to talk about March, uh, May 26th again, please. Oh, yes. Well, the Rosie the Riveter Day. And uh, if you can't make it here in person, uh, look on our website, because we hope to have people share uh, photographs. We're expecting people to dress up like Rosie and uh We'll have music from the time era that many of your listeners will probably appreciate, you know, from the 1940s era, and um, some some women that actually were from that era and worked as, uh, you could say, Rosie the Riveters. So that's that's a fun event coming up. Um, a number of things over the summer, though. I mean, that's if you miss out on that, so we're having a this amazing show that's going to be coming up. It's called Keepers of the Flame, um, looking at the work of Norman Rockwell, um, N.C. Wyeth, and Maxfield Parrish, who were three of the top illustrators, you know, really, the, you know, particularly the early 20th century. Um, and it looks at the teachers, people who, who uh, passed the baton on to them and their skill. They're actual teachers, and we're, we're tracing it all the way back I think the earliest picture that we have in this in this exhibit is going to be phenomenal. Is from the 1400s, so it's going back to um, European and American uh, figurative uh, paintings. You know how that affected the illustrators, top illustrators, and that will have that the painting Shuffleton's Barbershop as part of that uh, exhibit, which seems uh, you know just great timing to be able to include that with that work. Yes, yes. well, that's great. <sighs> Jeremy, you have just blown me away, and we have well, overstayed our welcome here. My gosh, I just oh boy. the clock. We've had you forever. Well, uh, it was absolute pleasure, and I, you know, please, I, I could talk all day. I, I guess. I mean, I, I uh, it's, it's really, uh, you take a great pride in being associated with, uh, with a place like this. Uh, well, the, the legacy of an artist, and, uh, and I feel, you know, it's, a, it's a nice to be able to share that with people, and so I've. I've enjoyed talking with you and uh, we should really have you, filling we, you in on what I've learned over time. We should have you back just to talk about that the Saturday better. Evening Post sometime. So that 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 could be a future program. So you, you sure, you, hey, you know, you you're really good, great. Jeremy. You you, thank you oh, so much. Thanks so much. <laughs> just a joy. Thank you, Jeremy, and you have a great weekend. Thanks again. Take yeah, care. You too. Bye bye.